There are two things parents hope to give their children, roots and wings. But it's often hard to know if the decisions we're making are the right ones, especially when the world is changing so quickly. Welcome to That's a Good Question, where you'll hear expert eye-opening advice, tips, strategies to help you uncover the answers. That's a Good Question is sponsored by Good Life Family Magazine, a trusted resource for sandwich generation parents who are navigating the twists and turns of life sandwiched between their kids and their aging parents while trying to keep themselves sane in the process. Now your hosts, Cheryl Lily Pigeon and Michael Tinglin. Welcome to That's a Good Question, sponsored by Good Life Family Magazine, an important resource for sandwich generation parents who are navigating the twists and turns on the road of life. I'm Cheryl Lily Pigeon, and I'm here with my co-host, Michael Tinglin. We're parents, and if you're like us, you've got lots of questions. So we created this podcast to help uncover the answers. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now let's welcome our guest, Dr. Dean Beckloff, a pediatric therapist and founder of the Beckloff Behavioral Center in Dallas, Texas. Dr. Beckloff specializes in treatment for children and families navigating divorce or other life challenges. And we know, especially dealing with the fallout from the pandemic, there's a lot of challenges families are dealing with. Welcome, Dr. Beckloff. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're thrilled to have you. Today, we'll cover the topic of lawnmower parenting. We've all heard of the helicopter parent, those that hover and overprotect, but the lawnmower parent has such a strong desire to protect their child that they literally clear all obstacles from their child's paths so they, they never have to deal with any problems by themselves. Instead of hovering, lawnmower parents clear the path for their child before they even take a step preempting possible problems and quite literally mowing down obstacles in their child's way. Now, generally speaking, most of us think parenting is all about protecting our kids and preventing problems. So Dr. Beckloff, what is so wrong with being a lawnmower parent? Well, both times, I mean, the helicopter parent has risks as well. I mean, constantly hovering engenders a, a, a sense of I've got to have somebody near me in order to live my life. Now, if it is the lawnmower parent, that's even going further. It's, uh, uh, they're, they're not allowing any obstacle to be faced by the child at all. They're going and running through and clearing everything out, every potential hazard, every potential difficulty, and, you know, to me, that just breeds dependence, not a sense of independence. And when a kid who hits college, and this is what a lot of college professors are talking about now, they don't know how to even get through registration without mom and dad. And so, obviously, it really debilitates, and maybe the deepest kind of way, the child uh, from the get-go. And I mean, do I think that kids can grow up and maybe start growing out of it? Yes, but uh, they could go into life completely debilitated for the rest of their lives. So it's not good. It's not healthy. Dr. Beckloff, that's uh, very interesting, actually. I was a college counselor, and I um, used to be a part of a program for freshmen. And I noticed I had to teach them basic life skills. I mean, how to wash clothes, 
(laughs) more than registration and how to buy their books, but true basic life skills I had to teach them. And I was pretty amazed at how unprepared they were for their uh, young adult experience. Now, my mother, (laughs) and I don't even have to say God rest her soul because she's still here on the planet, but she taught me how to wash clothes early on, and I was doing it in high school. And I returned that favor to my own children and started requiring them to do the laundry because that's, I know that's so basic, but it's something you got to know how to do. Definitely, definitely. So Dr. Beckloff, you said in your article that there is an old parenting rule of thumb that perhaps gives us our best guide. Don't do for children what they can do for themselves. Tell us why this rule can help us achieve a healthier environment for our children. Well, it is an important guide. I, I learned it back in an old psychology class, and it just guided me as a parent. I have two daughters, and they're married and grown and done the college thing, but uh, that really guided me. You know, you get this baby on the planet, and it is so little and looks so fragile I mean, I know I felt that way with my first one. Oh, my word, this baby's so fragile. And they need you to do everything for them. And, of course, we want to. As parents, we want to throw ourselves in front of a bus for these kids. We just adore them like nobody's business. Well, little by little, of course, they're growing up. And they've got to learn how to walk and to talk and uh, all the things, learn how to eat and feed themselves. and. So, but all of rearing children is little by little turning responsibility over to the child. Don't do for a child what you can do, what they can do for themselves. If we do it all, I would assume that we've all, as parents, done more than we should have. It's just going to be part of the way it is. Sometimes I would, it would be late at night and these kids need to go to bed. And I'm not going to have them pick up the floor in the room when they've got to get in bed and I can do it in two minutes and it'll take me 30 to get them to do it. So we make decisions like that all the time, which is okay. But when it is a consistent doing for them what they can do for themselves, that's breeding dependence, inability to to really press in and have some independence. Somebody else has got to do it for me. So, and and I used a simple phrase, and I think parents can use this phrase when you're turning it over to the child or the teen. Honey, I think that's something you can do for yourself. Now, it's not what they want to hear. They want to hear, okay, sure. Uh, I mean, Dad, my milk glass, it's, uh, it's empty. I began saying to them when they could get up and get their own milk, honey, that's something you can do for yourself. I'm not doing what they want. And yet it is positive. I'm giving them a positive affirmation that they can do that. And then we, um, and then I leave it in their good hands to decide to get up and go get some milk. If they choose not to, we can't feel guilty about that as parents. You know, a lot of times we feel bad because, well, they wanted some milk and I didn't do it. No, if it's something they can do, we need to turn that responsibility over to them. And so that's one of the best ways to keep from becoming either a helicopter parent or the lawnmower parent. 
No, I know you, you've said that um, even when it comes to middle school and high school tests or in, interactions with teachers um, or coaches, that it really helps them if if they are the first line of communication versus having the child come home and tell you that, you know, they got a bad grade on their test or the coach isn't playing them on the first string or whatever. And then and then that makes so much sense. If they go have that conversation, they discuss why they feel they deserved a better grade or what have you. And then if you need to step in at some point, you know, that that um, at least you've taught them this this ability to negotiate and and stand up for themselves, so to speak. So I think that makes so much sense. And, and I guess to some degree, we think we're doing our kids a great service. We obviously love our kids. These are parents who adore their children and they think they're doing the right thing. So I think it's, it's almost a matter of thinking about that we're taking from our child. We're almost robbing them of their ability to find their purpose and find a sense of independence. To me, it's, it's turning it upside down and realizing that we're helping them by not doing so much. Absolutely. You're just incredibly correct. That's so right. And and yet, like you said, of course, I don't mind getting anything. I, I want to be of service, you know. I don't mind getting the milk, but <laughs> it's little by little, step by step. And I'm I'm with you about school. They've got to learn how to be advocates for themselves before they hit college. And that's why we have so many kids hitting college, and the parents are doing everything for them. And And most people like you, Michael, are scratching your head thinking, well, this is an adult. This is a young adult. And they need to be doing that little by little. And then also, I mean, I'm assuming you, you've you had this happen. But even when my kids were young teenagers, in a, in a restaurant, they would want me to order for them. They would look at me to order. And I would, I began turning that responsibility over to them. Honey, you can tell her what you would like. Just tell her. And they didn't like that, but even something little like that is important that they do that instead of the parent doing all the ordering for them. That's so true. That's so true. And Michael, I don't know if this happens to you, but I get texts all the time from parents uh, telling me that their kid needs an internship or, you know, basically trying to get them hired. And I think, well, that's you know, that's so interesting. Why isn't that young adult uh, taking the, the opportunity to reach out and um, and make that interaction themselves? I, I think, um, you know, we should uh, also look at us, the, our current society where we've set up this, the participation award. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know, we want to commend people uh, to be, in, uh, you know, for engagement. Right. And we want to make sure that we foster that. But I think we might have gone too far with the participation award. And so people I think now have a sense of entitlement that they will receive things without um, proper effort. Right. Absolutely. For, for me, I, I had a, a very interesting upbringing, but it taught me resilience and ability to persevere. And I think that that has really played a part in my adulthood now in helping me to navigate the ups and downs of of life and not get taken off track and not lose focus. That's so fantastic. And you know what? This is, we're really not here to make criticisms about parents. It's more about a guide. Like 
you know, don't do for your child what they can do for themselves. That is important. It's good independence. They've got to, like you said, Cheryl, it's it's going to harm. It's going to be a disservice to them to go into life with having had everyone taking care of things for them. So uh, we've, we're only saying let's do that because it's going to be helpful for the child and to let them pick up some of the pieces and dust themselves off and learn how to do what you just said, Michael, that resilience. And let me get back up. I'm not defeated. Exactly. Um, This is such important information, but right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Dr. Beckloff will continue this conversation and tell us how we can help our kids grow into independent, happy young adults. Stay tuned. At Star Power, the safety of our customers and staff remain a top priority, and we'll continue to provide you the essential products and services you need to operate your home and business, home appliances, networking solutions, and more. In order to ensure your safety and provide convenience, Star Power offers private showroom-to-car delivery or at-home delivery and in-home and virtual consultations with our experts. Visit GetStarPower.com to call, chat online, or request a quote. Welcome back. We're talking to Dr. Dean Beckloff about the dangers of being a lawnmower parent. And I have to say, I just recently read this article about how millennials and Gen Z generations are having so much more anxiety than previous generations. I'm wondering if that's in some way a subset, you know, a, a, a reason for that is because of this, these lawnmower parents that have done so much and now they're out there in the, in the working world and they're having so many issues. What do you think about that? I completely agree with that. I mean, you know, they've not had to struggle with anxiousness even as kids. I hate to say that. We don't want our kids anxious and we don't want them to experience negative feelings, but they're going to come and better to have uh, a loving parent to be there when you are struggling with anxiety or depression or some of those things. And I'm not saying that we never go get some help for that, but it, you know, there's got to be some learning that takes place. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why we're having kids these days with high anxiety, especially anxiety. I think depression is there too, but a lots of high anxiety. Uh, and I think, you know, there are other things like even the, 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 the kind of technology that we have that engenders that as well. Do you think that the parents in this case are shielding their kids from the anxiety and issues they're facing so much that they're maybe not getting them the help they need? Like they don't want to, they don't, they think they can fix it. And and some of these kids may really benefit from, from having professional help. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, You bet. And, and professional help, there's nothing wrong with going and seeking that. Now, some people are so wide open to that, from my experience, but others go there like they're condemning their child to a big problem. Well, again, that may be a part of this helicopter lawnmower parenting. Like, no, uh, there's nothing wrong with needing to get some help about finding some answers in life. So, and Michael, you were going to say something, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that um, because these are our two uh generations that have grown up with the internet that they may be using the internet as well as a shield uh, so they're not interacting with each other 
uh, with, you know, on one-to-one -one basis and developing relationships and dealing with these things. And so when they are forced to do that in the work environment, especially, and they're growing up, they don't have the tools. They're not equipped. Right. right. And, and to your point, Cheryl, when we were saying, you know, they may need professional help. True. But I think that we might have some parents that are abdicating parental responsibility. As they, meaning they may be going to that as an extreme before, as Dr. Beckloff say, they would deal with these issues of them being a lawnmower or helicopter parent. You might want to start there first. And then if you see that there is no change or, or the positive changes in there, then maybe it is a bigger problem and you need to seek some help. That's very interesting. I think that's a very good point. It, perhaps, and and really, what, what I was going to ask Dr. Beckloff next is, is how how do parents stop behaving like this? And they recognize that they're doing their kids a disservice, but they're so used to doing it that way. How do how do we stop behaving that way? Well, you know, I, I said at the outset here that I I learned that phrase, don't do for a child what they can do for themselves, in a college class, in education. And I think that's part of the purpose of even this today, is that we want to learn. And this is a great learning. And once I learned that, it changed how I approached parenting, because I knew it wasn't going to be healthy for the kid if I took over responsibility. And I think, you know, we, we know this even from, you know, I remember from very early that you don't try to help the butterfly get out. We've got to allow the struggle because the struggle brings about good growth. And that's what we want for our children. We adore them. We love them. So uh, some other thoughts along the way as well. I've got several points, but the first one, besides education, the first one is let the child do it. Let the child do it. Turn over responsibility in a positive way that is affirming to them. It shows that you believe in them, and that's what they need to hear. Uh, respect their decision-making, even if it's wrong. If they decide, I don't want to get the milk, then we're not going to step in and, oh, I'll get it for you, honey. I know you really want some. No, we'll let them make that decision. Secondly, it's always okay to give guidance, to suggest, to help your teen think it through. If they don't want it, let it be. But your kind and considerate help in reflecting with the teen can be very helpful. And what I found, and Cheryl, I don't know what you found with these teenagers that we've worked with in our own families, but I found that the little bit of guidance that I would give it may not be received at first, but I'd see it happening later. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw that, Cheryl. Absolutely. Sometimes it sounds yeah. like they they don't really want your guidance and they're they kind of there's there's that pushback. And I think yeah. to some degree we as parents need to adjust. So maybe we're saying giving our counsel our thoughts in such a way that sounds like a mandate rather than a suggestion or some advice. Sure. So I think that um, giving guidance is is so important, but telling them what to do is is perhaps uh, creating that that pushback. Right. And one of the things that we know from science at this point is that the the brain of the teenager and doesn't quit until they're about 25, they are growing in that 
rich part of the brain where they learn and utilize problem solving, what we call the prefrontal cortex. Well, it's imperative to do what you were just saying, Cheryl, sit down, not giving advice necessarily, but helping them to think and process to get up into that prefrontal cortex where they can do some, some thinking it through. And that's so important, even on a neurobiological part of living, that, that that's important. It stimulates the growth and the development of the brain. Affirmation. Affirmation. There is nothing wrong with affirming your teen, your child, your young adult. I, I like getting affirmation right now, and I'm 65 years old. <laughs> I still like it. Uh, and, and kids depend on that word of affirmation that is about how you see them growing up independently, feeling a strong and, 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 and affirming their strength, that you recognize that and see that, and their ability to solve problems. Affirmation, we live and breathe on it. I love it. And our, our teens do as well. So affirmation is critical here. And that's a part of the process of growing independent children. And then I think if you need some help, go to a friend. I mean, sometimes come things come up. And both of y'all have been there when you're in a, a school situation, your vice principal of your child's middle school has called you up to say, um, your daughter is suspended. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do I do here? How do I address that? How do I, if you're afraid you're jumping in too much and taking over, talk to somebody you can trust. Just get some other input and some data, obviously staying as open as you can to hearing it and helping them, the person to Realize you're giving them permission. You want to hear it. You really want to know what's happening there. Anything that y'all think about that? I think it's brilliant. I think that's so true. And I think I, I kind of reflect back um, to when your children are very young and you're in playgroups and you're always having interaction with the other parents. So you always have a, a handle on on when when is the first word and when are they walking and when are they potty trained and all all these different things and what are the best preschools and why you know you're just you're always knocking around information and sharing information and then for some reason we get to a certain point in our child's life and and we just stop talking. Um, maybe we're right. afraid that our child will somehow, it will reflect negatively on us as a parent if we're asking opinions about this or that, or, or, you know, I don't know. I don't know why that happens, but I know that that's a big part of why we have this podcast and why we publish Good Life Family. We want to open the communication. So I think yeah. it's so essential to have those conversations with, with other people and to always be listening, listening to, to other people's opinions and, and, and weighing that information as it re relates to your own life. I have a question for Dr. Beckloff. When might a parent consider getting professional help uh, to break this cycle of overprotecting? Like when is the right time for that? Well, probably far too often they've gotten to a point, at least in my experience, where the child is kind of doing what you're talking about, Michael, where they're, they're just in their room doing video games all day and not experiencing life with an individual. They're communicating 
on the electronic format, but they're not really being with people. And that's when we see people coming in. But it'd be nice if there could be some recognition. And I think I think I'm hopeful that things like this podcast is uh, helping people to realize that no, there's a point at which you need to stop and allow the child to even fall a little bit while you're there to help pick them up and that they need to, to we need to turn responsibility over to the kid little by little, as in school kids. I think, you know, let them speak for themselves. I mean, when you've got a shy kid who's hanging back, I, I would say you try your best to not speak for the child and, and let them do it. And even teenagers, like I said, I would have my young teenage daughters who wouldn't order in a restaurant. And I began turning that responsibility over to them. Uh, so those are the, but if you're, if you're getting information and you're hearing maybe yourself in this, then it might be good to even go get a consultation with somebody and maybe professionally, or at least maybe somebody that, you know, but that insight, I'm a big believer in two heads are better than one. So let's put our heads together and figure this out. I love that. I think to some degree, um, it's hard for many parents to let go of the decision-making process because we think we know better for our kids. But in some ways, if we listen more and do less, we we can really learn a lot about what our children really want to be doing and really respect those choices they're making because it's not necessarily your life to live for them. They have to move forward and live their own lives and find their own purpose. And so I think that this has been such important content. Um, and we really appreciate you talking uh, this through with us. Uh, Dr. Betloff, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. I found the conversation informative and insightful. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining. Uh, for our listeners, if you wish to contact Dr. Beckloff, he can be reached at www.drbeckloff.com or 972-250-1700. And folks, if you want a lot more parenting advice and resources, go to goodlifefamilymag.com for expert content. And be sure to subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get contact like this directly in your inbox. Thank you for joining us on this episode of That's a Good Question. If you've got a question or expert advice to share, we'd be thrilled to hear from you. Find us at goodlifefamilymag.com. We're here for you and your family. Life is good. Let's keep making it better. We're living, we're learning, and we are here for you. Life is good. We're here to make it better. Got a question? We've got answers. Go to goodlifefamilymag.com and click That's a Good Question.